This is the future of finance by Motive Labs. Hello, welcome to the future of finance, the Motive Labs podcast where we live and breathe the next generation of financial technology. Hi, welcome back. I'm Sam and I am joined by Jochen Biedemann, founder and CEO of Blockchain Asia and managing director of the World Alliance of International Financial Centers, the WAIFC as is short. You may be able to hear some background noise. We are right in the heart of the AIFC in Kazakhstan on really what's quite a historic week, the second year of the AFD and three years after the famous expo. Welcome, Jochen. It's my pleasure being with you. And I hope I can enlighten you a little bit from my view on what's going on here in Nur Sultan at the AFC. We are now right in the middle of the Astana Finance Days. A lot of interesting things will happen. So I've got a personal interest really in, in what the WAIFC does, but perhaps you can rewind a little bit further back than that. Not too far because you don't look too old, <laughs> but uh, if you could tell us a little bit about what you've been up to in your career so far and then what it is that you're doing here today. I have to go back a little bit, so I'm older than I look, definitely, <laughs> which is a good news. <laughs> so I'm a mathematician and computer scientist by education, and this really dates back to the times where the first emails were sent. So when I started to study, I got my first email address, and now the people even think of you know not using email anymore, but Slack and other products instead, so quite old. After doing my PhD, I started with a stock exchange in Germany, Deutsche Börse Group. So never planned to do so. I started as an IT project manager. And then basically from day one, doing a lot of international stuff. There were several tries to merge with the London Stock Exchange. I was involved in, in all of them and uh, also in charge of other M&A projects. And the last years, I was senior vice president for international affairs. And my team was in charge of dealing with business development in international markets. From that time, I had uh, several trips to Kazakhstan, to Almaty at that time, where there was a Kazakhstan stock exchange, Kaze. Some of you might remember, we also visited the central bank and Kazakh banks and brokers. So something like 15 years ago, a lot has changed since, not only the place to be, And then 2013, started my own business, We invested into fintech and other companies, became a senior advisor to Frankfurt Financial Center. And last year, I became the managing director of the World Alliance of International Financial Centers. The WAFC is a non-profit, uh, headquartered, based, uh, registered in Brussels, Belgium. And it comprises financial center organizations from four different continents. We started last year with 11 founding members, and now we are adding more and more. And the idea of uh, WAFC is to help the financial center to collaborate. You know, we all think about competition between financial centers in, in Europe, but also in, in Asia and so on. But from my experience, there's even more cooperation between financial centers. They have the same interest, develop their financial centers, as having a sound regulatory framework, not too much pressure on you know, their constituencies. And of course, they want to help their companies 
for instance, fintech companies to go abroad, but in the same way attracting international companies. So, and they can perfectly collaborate, and this is what we encourage. Here, AFC is one of our founding members. We have, as I said, other members in Asia. We have members in the Middle East, in Europe, in Africa, in North America, the largest financial centers, but also very small ones, and all have the interest to work together. That's fascinating. I think, I mean, obviously 2008 showed us the systemic interdependencies and fragility between financial centers. At Motive Partners, we have a number of portfolio firms that are helping to reduce that fragility and to reduce risk, uh, particularly at one of our firms called L Markets, a portfolio risk compression business. It's absolutely fascinating, and I, I'm a big believer in the power of trade bodies and industry bodies. Which nations are, and, and financial centers are currently represented, and who's on your hit list? I like Astana here, of course, because I'm quite involved here in the work of AIFC. I'm in the FinTech Advisory Board here of AIFC personally, and before I was sitting in the Advisory Board of the uh, New Exchange, AIX. But there are also other highly interesting markets, and maybe let me start with a few of the smaller ones. One of our members is uh, Casablanca Finance City, very prospering, very interesting new hub for Africa in the northwest, Morocco, and similar here to Nur Sultan, to AFC, they invest a lot in infrastructure, in buildings, and I think we will hear a lot positive things about them. Then, of course, we have some of the largest ones. We will get in, basically tomorrow, one of the top two financial centers. I cannot disclose the name, but there are not too many in the top two as a member. So it will be decided tomorrow, but I'm quite positive this will happen. Our board will decide on this. We have received the applications, but we have players like Toronto among the top 10. We have Frankfurt and Paris and, and Luxembourg, for instance, but also smaller European ones like, like Belgium. We have Moscow among our members. We have Abu Dhabi. They also have built up with the Abu Dhabi global market, a, a very big center. And of course, uh, we have much more in Asia, like Korea, which has joined us. Hong Kong and Singapore and Tokyo are currently observers, but they have declared they want to join soon. I haven't mentioned all of them. There are much more, but just to give you a flavor. That's really useful. Thank you. And I am really looking forward to seeing how it grows. And there's already a ton of other questions, but we haven't got time for all of them. You mentioned you're on the AIFC advisory board. We actually have an advisory board a little bit later today, which I'm looking forward to joining as somebody's delegate. Could you tell us a little bit about what were the original objectives of the advisory board and how are you getting on in terms of meeting them? First of all, an advisory board should give advice. This goes without saying. So we are regularly informed about the development and it's a team of people from different jurisdictions sitting in the advisory board. And we try our best to comment, ask the right questions, give some ideas, give some insights, help, you know, to network, to connect AFC with other financial centers. And organization like the, the World Alliance, which I've mentioned before, can be, for instance, helpful to connect with other financial centers. But in the same way, all the people sitting in the advisory board can also connect in their specific industries. When I look around here, we are now here in the middle of last year's expo area, and I see what has happened in terms of space, infrastructure, 
We see here the IT university next to us, but also the brand new buildings uh, of AIFC, where also the fintech people and, and co-working space are inside. My observation is a lot has happened in terms of infrastructure here, without any doubt. In the same way, a lot has happened on the regulatory side. You have here sound bodies, uh, separate jurisdiction for AFC in, in general, which is also important for the fintechs, and make it attractive for them. In terms of regulation, my personal opinion is you need to have sound regulation, but you shouldn't over-regulate. So give some flexibility and some room for young startups to develop. So I see a lot of positive developments in that direction. What is a challenge for place here like Nur Sultan is uh, talent development in fintech. Mm -hmm. We have mm -hmm. seen this in many other places. I see here good approaches, but this is a long-term challenge, a long-term task. On one hand, you need to educate young, bright people in universities. You know, fintech, financial technology is a combination of finance and IT. You know, need to bring these two skills together. At the end, having a founding team where you have enough of these skills combined with entrepreneurial and business skills. And uh, you need to develop those people. And uh, also at the same time, you need to manage to keep them here in Nusultan because, you know, the world is quite attractive. There are many attractive places where you can go as a young entrepreneur and maybe it's even harder to keep them. As I said, I see a lot of good developments, but this is really a five to ten year plan, you know, how to do, how to implement and how to build up talent. And by the way, we have a working meeting of our World Alliance tomorrow evening where we exactly will discuss this and exchange best practice from all the financial centers. That's uh, another meeting that I'm gate crashing, and I'm very much looking forward to being a, a fly on the wall for it. It's interesting that we're sat here, and I can see directly in front of us, through the glass windows, the, the sphere that was the building used for the expo. It's a pretty impressive building. I mean, it's kind of like a football. If you're a gym goer, it looks a bit like a kettlebell. It's an incredible structure. And it's, for me, a symbol, I think, of the intent here. Right, this is a nation that has been oil and mineral rich for a long time, but is now diversifying into financial services to be and maintain to be the Central Asian Financial Center. Most of the guests on this podcast read our newsletter every week, so we thought you'd enjoy it too. It's called Brain Food. It comes out every Sunday morning and it's packed with all the things you need to know about financial services and technology. You can subscribe at motivepartners.com. But talent, as you said, is the foundational aspect and injections of international capital and expertise is critical. We've spoken a bit about talent. What do you think needs to be done to build momentum from a capital and international investor perspective? One of the opportunities of Kazakhstan is its proximity to China. You know, we all know the Belt and Road Initiative is one of the major policy projects of China as a whole. And Kazakhstan plays a very crucial role by his geographical position. And this is a great opportunity, a great opportunity to cooperate with, with China, building up a hub where it's easier to enter China, maybe agree on a kind of privileged access or short track procedures for fintechs, for startup companies located here in North Sultan. You know, even if you can agree on something like this for one or two Chinese provinces, this already would be a huge market. 
And then you will see on one hand advantages for the local startups, but also this is then a very interesting place for international startups, which have an interest in China. That said, there's a competition for access to China, also places like Hong Kong and to a lesser extent uh, Singapore position themselves as uh, kind of bridgeheads to China. But I, I see the opportunity and given, as I said, the political dimension, there's certainly something which can be done. And this is, if you ask me, one of my priorities and one of my key recommendations in the advisory board. Yeah, it's a really great point. China, the most populated country on the planet, next to Kazakhstan, which is the world's largest landlocked country, but does not, in fact, have very many people at all, 17, 18 million. So how do we get the volume through the door here? That, I think, has got to be key. And, and you're right, partnerships with China, if you can make this an attractive place to live and work, is obviously a great opportunity, and particularly being on the Belt and Road and Silk Road initiative. If I may add to this, also the, the challenge challenges are quite similar. If you look at China, you have huge cities at the East Coast. We all know Beijing, Shanghai, Shenzhen, Guangzhou, Wuhan, and, and many more. But you also have the rural areas. And there you have, even in China, you have financial inclusion topics, right? Mm. So mm. how to bring, you know, in the rural areas, let's say in the Northwest, which are close to Kazakhstan, the people into financial services, right? The Chinese way of doing so is via mobile wallets. We know um, Alipay from N Financial and WeChat Pay from Tencent. And if you look at Kazakhstan, you have similar issues, right? You have two really large mm -hmm. cities, but you also have the rural areas and uh, also financial inclusion is, is needed. So you can also learn a little bit from the Chinese approach. Maybe at the end find the own Kazakh or Central Asian approach, but you yeah, should have an eye on, on China, how they're doing. All brilliant points. Thank you, Jochen. We're on the topic of Asia, which is a nice segue into your other initiative, Blockchain Asia. So perhaps you could give us the sort of the elevator pitch and why did you found it? What was the gap that you saw and what's the, the vision and mission of this entity? When I was doing fintech from 2013 onwards, after a few years, I was overwhelmed by, you know, the variety of topics within fintech. And I saw to myself, you know, first years trying to keep up with all the developments. But I thought to myself, this will not be possible anymore. I cannot follow all the developments in fintech. So I picked for myself uh, the topic which I thought is most interesting, and this was and still is blockchain. Then I started my own business in beginning of 2016, and I thought, what is the right location for it? And if you look really deep into to blockchain and the merits of blockchain, you know, one of this is to create trust create trust in a technical way and uh, trust in a network of people or network of companies or of businesses. And at this point, you need to ask yourself the question, where is a lack of trust? And being active in Europe, but also being active in Asia, I see the two different business cultures. In Europe, in Germany, my home country, in business, people tend to trust at least a little bit between themselves, right? So if they do business, you know, whether the other person or other company will cheat you is not the first thing you have in mind if you do business. Okay, you're careful, you do contracts and so on, but there's a little bit of trust. 
I've done business in China and there you start with total mistrust, right? So everybody will think first, you know, will this guy cheat me? Will he pay? Will he run away with my money? And, and so on. So I've seen in the Asian environment much more need for technology solution for trust. And this is why I decided to start my company in Hong Kong at that time. I started with my team developing an own product, but then very quickly we moved into other topics because people were asking us a question like where we can find developers, how can we do, how can we go from an Asian point of view to Europe. The Europeans were asking how can we go to Asia and then we moved more into giving advice helping European blockchain business go to Asia and helping Asian blockchain business go to Europe. And recently, we have moved into education. Together with Chinese partners, we are currently building up a blockchain education center for companies in Wuhan. Wuhan is in central China, 13 to 14 million inhabitants. I think a coming financial center but definitely a coming blockchain hub. A lot of companies are interested in this, but not much knowledge. If you cross from Hong Kong the border to Shenzhen, if you go to Shanghai, if you go to Beijing, you find a lot of developers, a lot of people who are smart in, in blockchain and distributed ledger technology. But Wuhan is still a white spot. So we have set up a company called Tech4 there, giving seminars, uh, educating the people. I'm the chairman of Tech4 and Blockchain Asia is a, is a partner. Thank you. A ton of information there, and I'm sure our listeners will be super interested to hear it. Let's talk quickly about, aside from blockchain, I think, what you think some of the most disruptive shifts that you've seen throughout your career have been. And we're going to kind of segue that into what have then subsequently been some of the biggest lessons that you've learned in your career at the same time. Let me split the answer into two parts, one for the developed markets and one for emerging markets. Mm. I think this is, from my point of view, quite reasonable. In developed markets, the most important trend I see is unbundling of banking services. This is going on for a while, but becoming faster and faster. If you allow me, let's have a look on my home country, Germany. Yeah. You know, one fintech company already kicked off the second largest German bank, Commerzbank, out of the German blue chip index DAX, which is Wirecard. Another one, a mobile bank, N26, they already have more than 3 million clients. So they're, they're growing fast. And young people, they do not go to bank branches anymore, right? So they open their account by video identification with N26 or one of their European contenders. And yeah, most likely they will never ever enter bank branch in their life. So this is uh, maybe shocking for some of the management boards of the banks because they have thousands of branches everywhere in the countryside. And some of them are still needed because we have the older generation. They still prefer in Germany handling cash, having personal conversation. But this is completely, I think, separate from what is needed by a younger generation, which go into digital money, wallets, and so on and so forth. So this is what I see in the developed markets. In the emerging markets, I've mentioned this already, it's financial inclusion, huh? giving people access to financial service in rural areas where there's no bank, no ATM, or giving the opportunity here in Asia to domestic helpers, 
to transfer money back home to their families without paying, uh, you know, these fees of 15% or higher charged by some non-financial institutions. You know, this is something first fintechs have addressed and financial in China, for instance, they use mobile wallets for this. And then, you know, if you're a domestic helper in Hong Kong, you can transfer money to the Philippines, basically free of charge from one mobile wallet to another. And by using those mobile wallets and those services, people also build up credit histories. Mm. Credit histories are, are very important from a financial inclusion point of view. Maybe later you do a small business, you want to get a loan or you want to have a mortgage for, for a house. This is really important. And this is where fintech, you know, has changed a lot in my point of view. And your second question about uh, the biggest lesson I've learned in my life is take enough time to build up friendships with people. In particular, we are here in Asia and only people who trust you will do business with you. And a friendship helps a lot for this. It takes time, but it's time well invested. When I was younger, I wanted to rush into business, do everything very quick. On one hand, I maybe sometimes trusted the wrong people. On the other hand, uh, because I was too quick, people were not trusting me. So this is something now I take more time. This is very helpful and one of the lessons I learned. Well said. I think that trust is one of the most critical, I guess, business principles. And I, I think also building relationships, right? We're in a world today infused with technology. There are so many ways to help catalyze friendships faster, to stay communicating and, and connected even more intensely and, and develop those friendships further. But I like the way you said that. I think the integration of work-life balance is, is actually something we're going to see more and more of. Final question. I want to ask everyone this question throughout the next couple of days. People don't know a lot about Kazakhstan. It's, in my mind, a real hidden gem. Can you tell our listeners a fact, a stat on Kazakhstan you don't think they'll know? Let me start with something, you know, very trivial. But I think I have to mention this. Kazakhstan has two major cities. And these cities have changed their names a few times, which even make it a little bit harder for the international public to, you know, remember those names and those cities. I think the more historic ones is Almaty or Alma-Ata, uh, how it was called in Soviet times. It is a traditional hub for commerce, also for finance and so on. And I've started my business in Kazakhstan in, in this place. It's very lovely, located in the south of, of Kazakhstan, close to the mountain. You can even do ice skating and skiing there in winter times. Really worthwhile to visit. And the second one, 1,000 kilometers more to the north of Kazakhstan, is Nur Sultan, formerly known as Astana. Nur Sultan, the name has changed recently to honor the first president of Kazakhstan, Nazarbayev. It's a very modern city, very new, with fancy buildings, interesting, bright people. It's very lively, very active. It's not only the place where the expo was, the World Expo was last year, and where we have this nice sphere we were talking before, but also a place where you can do good business in Central Asia, also business with China. So you should stop by and, and see it. And there's, of course, much, much more to say about Kazakhstan, but I know our time is limited. And let me start with these basic facts. 
Thank you. Look, I can only agree with you violently because I've been blown away. I've been here less than 12 hours from landing in the beautiful, serene landscape, which I don't think is like that all year round. I'm told that when it's cold, it's really cold, minus 40, minus 50, <laughs> to the beautiful airport, to the incredible office space, the Hilton, which is, I mean, it's almost not recognizable as a Hilton. It's so nice. Not sure I'm allowed to say that. I don't think Hilton will thank me, but um, it's it's a stunning place. I, I hope that these podcasts inspire people to come and see what's on offer here because it's uh, it's going to be a great place to do business, uh, whether you're in financial services or not. Jochen, thank you very much indeed. I'm looking forward to spending more time with you over the next couple of days. I feel like I'm going to learn a lot from you and not necessarily on the maths and computer science, but I think on just the general worldliness. So thank you. Thank you very much, Sam. Thank you for your time and insights. And thank you very much for tuning in. I'm Sam. See you next time. The information contained in this podcast is intended for discussion purposes only. It is not a recommendation, offer, or solicitation for the purchase or sale of a security or any services of motor partners. All investing involves risk, and there is no guarantee that past performance will be indicative of future results. The views and opinions expressed in the podcast are as of the date of recording, reflect the views and opinions of the persons expressing them, and do not necessarily represent the views or opinions of motive partners. Motive partners makes no representations or warranties as to the accuracy, reliability, or completeness of any information provided, and undertakes no obligation obligation to update, amend, or clarify the information in the podcast, whether as a result of new information, future events, or otherwise. Any securities, transactions, or holdings discussed may not represent investments made by motive partners. It should not be assumed that securities, transactions, or holdings discussed, if any, were or will be profitable, or that the recommendations or decisions made in the future will be similar, or will equal the performance of the securities, transactions, or holdings discussed herein. This podcast may contain forward-looking statements that are based on beliefs, assumptions, current expectations, estimates, and predictions about the financial industry the economy, motive partners or motive partners investments. Nothing in the podcast should be construed or relied upon as investment, legal, accounting, tax or other professional advice or in connection with any offer or sale of securities.